Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Speak the Language podcast. As always, this podcast is completely built and catered around you. We try our best to answer every question you send in and every topic that y'all want us to cover. A few weeks ago, we did an episode on kind of small tract management for white-tailed deer and kind of how to hold deer, hunting strategies for that. And y'all really seemed to like that, so we decided to revisit that subject, but this time with Brad. I think we covered a lot of good topics and answered a lot of the questions that y'all sent in. All in all, I think we covered the subject well and answered everything that y'all sent in, and I think there's really a lot of good information in there that y'all will enjoy. And lastly, I really hope you're enjoying this podcast. We have a lot of fun making it, and your support and your feedback really does mean everything to us. So if you have a topic you want us to cover, if you have a question you want us to answer, please send it in to our Facebook, Instagram, whatever you need to do. And if you would like to help the Speak the Language podcast, you can do us a big, big favor Head on over to iTunes, give us a rating, and write us a review. It really does help. Enjoy the show. We didn't get, I didn't want that much there. Pound that seed in the ground too Well, I already had it rolled. Oh. It'd be fine. What are we talking about? Fishing. No. We're talking about how much we don't, Jordan and I don't like you. (laughs) (laughs) That we tolerate you. Did you know it was recording, or did you just say that out of the kindness of your own heart? I, I mean, it's the truth. I mean, <laughs> that's what this is—a truth about hunting podcast, right? Truth about it's to speak the language podcast, but well, that's the same thing as the truth about hunting. Speak the language. It's speak all, the language. It's the all truth. the same family. Yeah, I guess. So, I guess we can. I may edit that part out. I may not. It hurts my feelings a little bit if I go back and listen to it. <laughs> you no. know you know, we like you, Lakey boy. Yee, there we go. Had to get that It in. is the first day of deer season here at Cottonmouth. And yeah. W- well, we were rained out yesterday, which was a good thing. And today we woke up. We don't hunt mornings that much this time of year. No. We had a cold front, highs in the 60s, north wind. Perfect October day mm-hmm. for the south. Yeah. The problem, what scares me, is the fact that we had water till August, so... In the plant world, it's like being in the middle of May. Yeah. And these deer are so focused on browse, there is no pattern, rhyme, reason yeah. for them to be anywhere right now. It looks like the middle of May in those woods right now. Yep. Yeah, we pulled cards, you know, the few cameras we put out in early September, and ain't nothing on them. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the browse is so palatable, it's, it's weird. When have you ever had spring green up in October? It's never happened before. Mm-mm. Yeah. And um, it's, it's going to be a different both season fours for sure until we get a frost the only time i can remember and it wasn't like it is now was i think it was 2015 when we had that high river but it wasn't it wasn't as prolific as it is now yeah it was you out had of here yeah, yeah you had some fresh growth coming up but it's everywhere yep because it was so high for so long yeah so much of it was suppressed all the way from last december because mm-hmm. even like in the the 15 flood it was like you'd have that growth in certain spots mm-hmm. and the rest of it it was like barren all throughout nothing green back up hardly but you know it's, it's funny we went we had nine months of high water and then we went from a flood to just about a drought we did and then and, 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 i mean i was like seeing dust but we, we needed a little rain for our food plots yeah and, and for for the browse and for everything well because usually you know because we do that the food plot planting that we do we've started this is the is this the third or the fourth year third uh, third. third season we're really doing it seriously right and the past two We've been able to time it just perfect with rains to where usually when we come back and start hunting, we have a pretty good stand of food plots, you know, which they're there, but they had that one little rain right after we got through planting, and that's all they've had, which 
So they're, well, we, I mean. We they're, had like two tents or three tents like three days after we planted. And that was it for four weeks. Yeah. yeah. So they're trying to come up, but that rain that we just got yesterday will help a lot. See, like at Togo, we literally hadn't had a rain since the water, since August. Like mm. we missed the rains that they went north of us up here. And yesterday was the first rain we've had in yeah. seven or eight weeks. So you just got bare dirt with seed under it. Yeah, we planted in dust, which we you know, we just we covered and rolled it so the fertilizer wouldn't, you yeah. know, I think they call it volatilize in the sun, how it kind of dissipates, dissipates whatever. You know. And um, and and I like planting that way, but it's important that you roll it. I think. Yeah. Because it just sits there. I mean, it don't you know it doesn't doesn't swell, it doesn't start growing. It's just dry. And then what uh what fertilizer y'all do this year? Our uh, triple nineteen. That's what we 100 did. Pounds. That's what we did here yeah. too. So yeah. But you know, we were, as we were talking about food plots lake and jordan and i we we're talking about how you can take a a small track and some of the things we've been doing with properties even on a 40 acre a, a yeah. 80 100 acre and if you do it right you can make a jam up hunting place yeah you just got to be sensitive and you got to be you know you, you 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 can't go in there once you get your food plots planted you got your sanctuary places that are off limits period right unless you shoot a deer and it runs in there yeah you know. we talked we talked about hunting on small acreages i think it was two two or three weeks ago but we kind of focused more on hunting strategies rather than in what you wanted to talk about more more so like strategies about like you know like you said turning the small acres no matter how small it be into a jam up hunting spot yeah and 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 what i've figured out and and we figured out like helping people do this over the years you know food is great we all we all talk about food yeah but cover is your number one asset Mm -hmm. on a deer property you gotta have somewhere for them to live look if they're not comfortable and 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 the more you have the more mature bucks will live there if you just say let's just say we've got 100 acres and you've got 10 acres of good bedding habitat you're only going to hold one or two mature bucks yeah you're gonna have one cruise through there during the rut but the more seclusion you can have for them deer to get away and hide and be comfortable the more you're going to have on your property and one thing i've started doing with people say you got 100 acres i if i owned 100 acres i would go in there and probably cut somewhere around 60 or 70 really strategically and i'd want it in different spots not in one big not chunk. in one big chunk i'd want different blocks so deer could get away but and people say what do you plant back i don't plant back anything Usually the native take over. And then spray it every three years with a forestry chemical and kill it back so it starts back over again. Yeah. Because it's all about making the sunshine hit the ground. Yeah. And and you take 100 acres that's got beautiful timber on it. Yeah, I mean, it's, yes, it's, it's a good investment because you got that timber long term. But once that canopy's over and you don't have quality browse and quality cover, you're just going to have pasture-throughs. They're yeah. not going to live on your place. They don't have anywhere to stay. Right. you Man, got them. you got a wide open hardwood bottom. I mean, the deer are only using it three months out of the year when you got mass on the ground. I mean, they'll pass through there. but And you know what we found out in, in, in the land world is you take 100 acres that's strategically cut with food plots and cut over places for them to hide and roads, and you, you, know, you, you hunt it smart, that land is worth every penny, in some cases worth more per acre than, than a than a big, you know, pine or hardwood stand. Yeah. Because people want to recreate. Recreation is the number one driver mm-hmm. in, in in a lot of these smaller land tracks. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's nice to have timber and you have a little, you could cut it, get a little money, but look, I, I'll take a, I'll take the ugliest piece of land you can find before I take a pretty timber stand when it comes to hunting. 
Because yeah. if it's ugly, it's going to be good. It's going to be good deer hunting. And most people that I know use the timber value anyway to keep their hunting value funded. <laughs> you know? It, uh, so when you're talking about taking like taking strategically putting these places in is there like what are you what are you looking for as far as we're putting in these areas for cover well it, let's just say a hunt let's just use 100 acres it could be 40 it could be 20 you know you just have to use the ground you have say 100 acres if you could cut four or five 10 acre clear cuts mm-hmm. and and he, here's the challenge with small acres if you go back and you replant it in pines replant it in hardwood you're going to have somewhere around seven to ten years of good deer habitat mm-hmm. and then once it starts canopying over and closing you can't you can't cut it again for then the trees are right you know they're pretty big you've got that much invested in them and you're kind of in a about a 10-year dead spot right before yeah. they get bigger now pines you can you can thin them but the pine market's so bad now that so much people planted pine you know 20 30 years ago that it's in the southeast and my grandparents my grandparents did it it's just not it's just pine timber is just not bringing any money anymore and the hardwood is but but that that's the thing with small acres you know once you cut it it's a short-term deer hunting strategy then if you replant right. it in the trees right but if you just let the native stuff take over and you spray it from the air or ground forestry rig then it kills all that and you got your cover still there and then the sun hits the ground the next spring because you always spray it in the fall yeah you know as things are going dormant and and then the next spring it comes back and it starts it starts at you know i think they call it that first successional habitat mm-hmm. um it starts from you know starts from scratch again and then you do that yeah. every three years i mean you're you're golden then yeah you're now, steady it, holding deer and you got perfect deer cover now it's something this is just coming from me not knowing like is is doing like a chemical or, or flying it in or whatever is that something that would be you know financially available to someone that's like only got like a 40 how affordable is that oh yeah i mean it's really not that much you can either do it, do it with a helicopter or they come in there like with a skitter with a spray rig on it yeah. that can you know that can roll through that stuff and just and just and just spray it and it just kills everything it kills all woody vegetation hmm. and it's not that much i'm not sure how much it costs an acre but it's it's really it's not that it's, but it's not, doable it's very doable yeah. There is nothing worse than getting to your standard blind and realizing you forgot something. That is why we're offering you 15% off accessories on the entire site. Head on over now to primos.com. You know, I, I try to cater to our listeners as much as I can on this thing, you know, because right. that's kind of the main point of doing it. Um, and we're always having questions. I've told you that before, centralized around that kind of subject, whether it be I've only got X amount of acres and I'm trying to do this, or I, I don't, you know, I don't have money to go buy a couple yep. thousand acres i've got 200 and i'm trying to make it the best that it can be you yep. know what can i do yep that and, kind of and, thing and even if it's 100 you can make it good yeah but you know when you go in there and say you you got a blank slate from day one and you can you can say put four or five ten acre clear cuts in there and you can you can kind of shape it and create it with a you know you got two maybe two south wind hunting spots yeah. two north wind hunting spots depending on how you do your food plots how you lay it out kind of think long term as you lay it out okay how can i get into this spot how can i get into that spot how can i get out you know that that's the fun part mm-hmm. it's a three-year process it, painting it, a picture yep, yep. And, and and man when it, when you get to that third year it's uh me and a buddy of mine we we're, we're buying 210 acres and that's exactly what we're going to do just we're gonna build go, it we're going to go in there and cut, it's all timber and it's got pine and hardwoods we're going to cut all the pine out and and then do exactly what we're doing 
you know, we got it. We got kind of mm-hmm. limited to what we can do. And and a couple of the pine cuts, I am going to leave like a corridor. Mm-hmm. Like don't even I don't even touch the trees. Just like traveling corridor, like a traveling for, right. for deer and for us. And because what'll happen three or four years when that stuff gets thick, those deer will walk those edges of those corridors, mm-hmm. and it gives you places to put a stand, go in there and climb, and they, they they're going to walk the easy routes just like we are. Yeah, you're making a funnel exactly. So these corridors, how like size wise, how wide, how long, kind of thing. I like to do them about a hundred foot wide. Okay. Say say if you got a let's just say you got a, a square block. And you go in there, and you could, and say that that block is ten acres. Leave you a corridor going north south and one going east west. Almost like when it's cut, you got four different clear cuts, but you got it's got edges all, all the way around. Does that makes sense. Like, yeah. Like a plus sign in the middle of that square. Right. And but and leave that about a hundred feet, and then in the middle where all those meet, it, you'll be surprised how how that will become once it gets thick. Three years from now, four years from now, that's going to be your. That's going to be your hot spot. And then imagine like that, like during a rut, all yep. the madness be running back and forth through there. Yep. Whew. Yep. And that's what I'm saying. And, and and if you keep that sprayed, then you have that scenario for the future. Yeah. But if you don't spray it and you let it come back, you know, 10 years from now. Then, Canopy over then, again. Then you're, then you're standing in your little corridor, and it's not a corridor anymore. Then you're looking up under all that other stuff, too. And yeah. you, you're stuck then. It's too big to do anything with. Kind of seems like the same principle as burning pretty much in like a pine stand almost yep same same do you now um well well you don't you know you you know when you're burning in a pine stand depending on how old it is you're, you're doing that to kill like a lot of the gum and so to, right and, but it does create great habitat. succession yeah but it's just not that i want to cover i want it thick right i want i don't want to be able to see 10 foot in there mm-hmm. yeah and so do you take like uh do you kind of do you like if you have six or seven or many of those do you spray them all at the same time yes so you have okay i mean because it's all about maximizing cover gotcha i want it to be as thick as it can be from from day one yeah you know that that is interesting because most of the time the first thing you either you hear a lot of folks talk about is food which is not like food isn't important but that instead of the much emphasis on the habitat mm-hmm. or what's going to hold the deer there it's like us uh you know back in the day we had timber land we leased and uh you know you give me a three or four year old pine cut over with an smz running through it i'll take that any day over a 300 acre hardwood bottom yeah an smz meaning a streamside management yeah. zone meaning right a lot of you know forestry practices they leave like if you got a creek most of the time it's going to be low country and it's going to be a bottomland stand and they mm-hmm. leave those basically a smz is a corridor mm-hmm. it's a forestry corridor i mean right. we're creating them for hunting but but it works just like they Jordan leave them said. for erosion control man that thing they, they are incredible yeah we talked about they don't last long though no we, we <laughs> talked about two or three that years and it's over with yep. go find another cut over to hunt yeah. you know yep we talked about that we uh Keith and I did. We talked about basically looking for ugly spots. Yeah. Because a lot of all the time, either on the Primo's page or whatever, is like people. It's like a I don't know. It's like a natural human instinct. People want to get somewhere they can see like a really really long way. Like they they're automatic. They're first. They they want to get in a hardwood bottom where they can see forever. Perfect example, Illinois. <laughs> Funny story. We've probably talked about this before, but three or four years ago, me and Lake went out to Illinois to hunt place me and my dad's been hunting since I was a kid and my dad 
got a new uh, property to hunt up there, and he was telling me in Lake, man, I can't see nothing up there. It's too thick, man. <laughs> and, and side note, speaking of small tracks, it was 80 acres. Yeah, gotcha. with 30 acres of timber on it, you know. And I, mean, I, I, was li- I was listening to him talk and fuss about how thick it was, and he couldn't see anything. I was like, okay, where's it at? Let me. <laughs> he was excited about it, about getting it. And then when me and Jordan were driving up there, he called us. Jordan said, what about that 80 acres? He said, man, y'all can have that place. Too thick. I don't want no part of it. <laughs> You're like, okay. <laughs> Where's we're, it at? <laughs> we're great. But, you, you know, with, with Chipper Gibbs, my partner in the Whitetail Property stuff, when it comes to land values and, you know, the market's the market. We we can't change that. I mean, a piece of property is worth right. what, what the market's worth. I mean, yeah. some, they vary, some more than others. But I can take a... I, if you gave me a hundred acres of timber or a hundred acres of, uh, uh, and we created habitat like we were talking about, making cutovers, making sanctuaries, making food plots, mm-hmm. it will bring every bit as much, if not more, per acre than the, the timber. Yeah. Come recreational. If you can, if you take somebody there and show them your food plots, your your sanctuary places, your how you've developed it, your road, you get in this way because the money's in the recreation. Oh yeah. Days. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's different. It used to be, you know, fifteen, ten, fifteen years ago with timber, mm-hmm. and um, and, and because so many people want to own land and they work their whole life, and to be able to help somebody find that piece of land and help them create it, and it's just yeah. um, it's a passion of mine. And somebody, I'm mean, like you're saying, somebody is buying a forty or an eighty or a hundred. They're not in it for the timber value, right? That's, no, I mean, that's that, uh, they're in it to try to kill them two or three deer a year and have a good time. And they want to maximize it, yes. Yep. It, but but this, I mean, it's, it's a different market now. It's a different world. Mm-hmm. How how much hunting recreation land is 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 the driver yeah. more than the timber? Yeah. Well, the thing is too is that there was a I can't quote it directly, but I don't know it, but there was some kind of statistic that came out about like the value of lands like you were talking about that were managed for hunting or were just kind of timber tracks or whatever that aren't ever touched about how much i mean it seems obvious but this i'd have to find that statistic but it's talking about how much uh how much overall that was holding it had like the most biodiversity right. in those lands how it held the values right it because it was like because most of the time when you're doing that work for whitetails whatever you're creating a better you're creating a better ecosystem for everything whether in these places that are just one just monotonous timber sand just nothing but pines or whatever yep and yeah. good, good point too not not only we're, we're mainly discussing deer but having those thickets are good for turkeys mm-hmm. people don't think about thickets and turkeys but they got to have nesting cover yeah you know and they like that i mean mm-hmm. that's part of their world that that's where the wherever the hens are is where the gobbler's going to be in the spring we had a, you know, there were places that we hunted, uh, it's been a few years back, but it didn't have any thickets on it. And then early season, there were turkeys everywhere, but it got towards the ladder where the hens would go to nest. Turkeys were They're sc- gone. scarce. Yeah. It was a beautiful place. I mean, it's some of the prettiest timber I've ever seen in, in southern Mississippi. Yeah. And, um, but it just, God, can you imagine if you could go in there and do what we're talking about on a big piece of property? It would be through the roof. Mm-hmm. Good. But it just takes time. That's the thing. You've got to have patience. you got to be able to look three, four years down the road to yep to make this and kind of plan work it's, yeah. not, it's not a short-term fix constantly constantly be thinking about those wildlife they need diversity yep. they don't need one one of anything they need several different things to make the puzzle go together yeah and then do your food plots you know with um it's kind of hard on a smaller acres to have a lot of summer crops i mean the the, the vetch works good but i mean going there with a with a white clover or mm-hmm. air leaf and put that in your food plots and then go spray your wheat and oats in the spring 
you yeah. know, and, and kill them and let your clovers take over. And I mean, that'll get you through June, July. That, that'll yeah. get to your deer herd. You'd be surprised once you get this thing thick, how many deer you'll hold on a small acreage. Yeah. yeah. Lake and I get asked that question all the time. I know you do too about how to summer food yep. for deer mm-hmm. and on small places like plant some kind of white clover clover is a no-brainer make it the last thing you plant once you get your wheat oats whatever you plant whatever mix you got if you're doing the you know like to take out the brassicas that we're so big mm-hmm. on here at cottonmouth it, it, make that your last thing once you cover it or roll it plant, put that clover on top and mm-hmm. it's, it's it, it'll be there in the spring yep. without fail and that one of the things that kind of made it click with me when i was you know, i'm trying to put myself in the shoes of someone that has never even like thought about this concept in depth or anything is but someone put what was put to me as carrying capacity you know you take a a spot that's just wide open hardwoods or pines or pines yeah. whatever you're like how much deer can you really hold you know and why like how much bedding area do you have when you're putting in this food that we're talking about or the you know the cover or whatever you're just making it to where it can hold that much more deer yep. aren't talking about like guys in the midwest and stuff you know a lot of that grounds ag yeah and it's good for a few months out of the year, then the rest of the time it doesn't hold anything. Right. And you take half of that, say you got an 80 and put it in native grasses and all that, you're yeah. creating cover yeah. and... Oh, native grasses, that man. kind of stuff. And, yeah. and native grasses, you know, you about every three years you can burn it or, yep. um, or thin it down, whatever you do, but that's a great habitat yeah i mean, I mean yeah. it holds a lot of deer too we're thinking about the south these guys in the midwest it's a yeah. lot of 40s and 80s in the midwest you know guys that's all they got yep. to hunt and they can do a lot to that to make better deer habitat they do a cutover up there too i mean yeah. you know typically those deer move differently in those open big hardwoods than what we're used to here in the south they just you just see them more yeah and and very Same. rarely will you see a deer in the south bed up on a on a top of a bald ridge like they will in the yeah. midwest yeah but you take that bald ridge and put it in some native grasses that stuff gets four or five foot tall it yep. holds twice as many deer you it know? does and, and it, you'd be amazed i mean 40 acres is a lot of carrying capacity mm-hmm. for deer yep mm-hmm. you know especially if it's spread out in three or four different blocks so even if you can only do one block i mean every piece of property is different and even if you can only have 20 acres you know just be cautious and something else that that, that we do if you plant a food plot a fall food plot mm-hmm. and you're going to put a ground blind up or you're going to put a shooting house there if you'll do that within the same time frame that you plant yeah once it once it gets green and those deer start coming to it they never look at whatever your right blind is or your shooting house but i mean i just at, at togo just last week i went to one of our new plots and i i planted it the day after i planted it i went in there and put a surround view up right there so when them deer start yeah they know something changed and they don't think nothing about the blind being there, but when they start coming out there, and, and we've we've done same day set blinds, yes we have. But yeah. I'm just saying, if you got your own property and you can get it set up, yeah. you know, go ahead and do it that day. But as if you have the opportunity to go ahead and put it out there, yeah. it's just going to get you that much further and ahead. That could be a lease. I mean, no, just just try to get that done the same before your food plot. The less time human activity in the woods, the better. Yep. And and look, once one of my rules is once the food plots are planted. You know, it's fine to be noisy, clanging around with tractors and all that. But once the food plots are planted, I have no no gas vehicles. Yeah. You know, it's it's either mm. walking or electric after yeah. that. I think that's even that's obvious. To say that's even amplified on smaller acreages. That's what we were, that yep. place I was talking about with with Keith. It was a forty five. We always unless we had to go get a deer or something, uh, we parked at the gate and walked, mm-hmm. no matter what. Because you, I mean, you know, you don't want to have a 
four-wheeler just yeah. going through there because, I mean, the deer know. You know, they yeah. <laughs> And, like, checking cameras. Yeah. That's probably the most pressure you can put on deers going in there, checking cameras every three days. Yeah. Or just, especially now with cell cams, they're yeah. affordable now, and you can get a plan, put a camera out, and you ain't got to go back in there. You can see mm-hmm. what you got. You know, I've seen it many times when you've got a small place and you're really focused and, and you, you, I mean, you're you're painfully careful on access. Mm-hmm. M- many, many more times than not, 90% of the time, you'll have more deer on your place in January than you will in October. Yeah. Because there's going to be a neighbor on one side or two sides that's, that's going to ride four-wheelers or yeah. banging on them banging or, 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 or not respecting the deer. you got to respect them. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a year-and-a-half-old deer, he, I mean, it's different than you get a five-year-old deer you better respect them if you want to ha- if you want to keep them around yeah, yeah. well it's kind of it, it can work exponentially for you if you're keeping it quiet on your place then like you said if you got a loud neighbor that's just going to like every deer that's pushed you yep. know they're going to go to a spot where they've got the least amount of pressure on them i yep. mean even us here we're blessed with a good bit of land to hunt on cottonmouth mm-hmm. right and take for instance rocker how many times we go on secret bottom to mess around at all none, none. you know we went in there when the wind was right and hunted, and that was it. Yep, yep. Yeah. Didn't even get anywhere close to him on a motorized vehicle. Nope. Rocker was one of those deer that, like. And he was still on to us. Well, it, it, if you get a, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter really how big he was. It's just the fact that kind of the personality he had. Like, I learned more about how much pressure a buck will take from that deer than any other, mm-hmm. you know. Because, I mean, at first, I'm like, we're not pressuring that deer. He, like, he, yeah, wasn't, we were, ha- he wasn't having it. Uh, yeah, we were. We were pressuring that deer. We didn't know it. Yeah, we didn't know it at the time. Because he was four and a half when we first got on to him. Mm-hmm. And then when Jimmy shot him, or me and you saw him, he was six and a half. Right. And, you know, for th- the third year, we really chased him and then, yeah. with a bow. And then he, um, we had pictures of him and then went to that same, didn't me and you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were, we were together and we put the blind up. But that big eight point came out and I... I just couldn't. I have a thing for big eight points. I could not shoot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then Jimmy went back and got him the next week, which is fine. I, I, I'm, I'm, I would rather Jimmy shoot him than anybody. But, yeah. Um, that worked out. But is it like I said? It's a honestly, you could use Rocker as an example for small tracks because think about where he stayed. He stayed in a small 60, track. Yeah. Sixty to eighty acre core area. Yeah. And it, he moved just a little bit where we saw him. Mm-hmm. in the food plot in the secret patch we call it which was about 300 yards from his core area where we finally right. figured out where he lived yeah. yeah and i mean you take that yeah we've got thousands of acres here but you take him and hunt him like you're hunting a 40 you know yeah. it's, the, pr- it's the same principle because a deer doesn't know where a property line is no nope. so he's doing what he's doing you know the only the only difference you could take out of the equation is we've got control of the pressure on the surrounding areas you know but he still like he stayed in that area he never traveled yeah. and look we had a lot of we had a lot of trail cam pictures out and we never got a picture of him anywhere except that one spot mm-hmm. he never left that spot mm-hmm. even year, during the rut he didn't leave it far year after year after year never left yeah. and that same you can have that same kind of you, seriously it'd be interesting to take that and measure out how many acres that was because he really could that applies perfectly to a small acreage yep and you know now with with whether you're feeding protein or you're feeding corn and corn feeders, you know, the laws have changed in different states or different ways. But, you know, even if something else, if you if you want to have a corn feeder on your place, more power to you. That's look, I support anything hunting. I don't, but if you, you know, get a big one yeah, that you can fill up and you don't go in there every day and, you know, once a week and fill it up. If you're going to have a feeder in one of your little secret honey holes, get one that you can fill up at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. and not have to go back to it. Yeah. 
unless you're hunting. Yeah, I think a common thing that we we can pick up on here is just how much taking pressure off in any bit that you can will help you. Yep. Create yeah. an habitat and take pressure off and hunt it. You know, right. Yeah. I mean, deer. I I I give them all the credit in the world. I treat them like they're. I mean, some are smart and some are not as smart, just like yeah. people. I mean, everybody's different. Some care of this, some care of that. And this guy, he might just stroll across the road and yeah. look at you when you drive by. And the next guy, you know, the next buck you get on, he might just be, he might be like Rocker. Yeah, it takes you three like, years. He might be like a ghost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see him at night and that's yeah. it. Well, what I always tell people, you know, and we say, like, no matter how much time you spend hunting, no matter if you go every day, you are not spending as much time in those woods as those deer are. Mm-hmm. You are still a guest in there. That's where they live. They don't, man. If you got a small place, don't push it. I know people have limited hunting time, but if you go into a place and hunt it wrong, you're uh, educating. Yeah, one bad hunt, you put more pressure than you would hunting it ten times right. Yeah. And then, honestly, some of those bucks, they get sight of you or a nose full of you, they may be gone. But if you set your place up right in the beginning and you have some south wind scenarios and some north wind scenarios, then – more times than not, you know, if you're hunting on the weekends, you're going to get a hunt or two that weekend. Yeah. yeah. And get access to them yep. spots where yeah. you're not blowing anything that's exactly out. That's right. Yeah, that's, I mean, set up spots where you don't have to go, well, it's a east wind, but I can't hunt it unless it's a north. No, set up something where you have pretty much every wind covered. It may not be your best spot, but you got somewhere to go hunt if you have limited time that you're not going to blow out. Yeah, because, I mean, if you set up northerly stands and southerly stands, you know, keeping in mind maybe it be southeast or south or southwest, right. you know, a, lot, a lot of times you can make that work. Yeah. If if you if you do it right in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And um, I always have something st- somebody told me years ago sticks in the back of my head that, you know, I'd rather spend a little time in a good spot than a lot of time in a bad spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've said that on this podcast when you were not, I quoted you for it because uh, I've heard you say yeah, it before. Yeah, yeah. But it makes sense because they still like in uh I, we harp on it all the time. But I still we we get questions or or stories about it all the time. I only had one place to hunt. The wind was wrong, and I tried it anyway. I'm like, don't. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Not worth it. Don't do it. No, watch a football game that afternoon. Do something else. Yeah, do something Don't. Like, you could could mess up a spot so quick. And we've said that, I don't know how many times. Jordan knows. We've said that on this podcast so many times, but we still get (laughs) questions about doing it, so we keep bringing it up. And some people, maybe some guy's been, you know, he's been working, you know, the last nine days straight, and he's got one afternoon to go hunting. You know, sometimes you – Keep a climber mm-hmm. in your truck. Keep a, a ground blind in your truck. You can always find somewhere to go. You know? oh, yeah. If you've got a climber and a double bull in your truck, there's not a spot you can't figure out how to hunt. Yeah. I'd say if you're going to hunt small acreage frequently, a climber is something you definitely need to have because then you can always find a way to work around that wind no matter what it is. Yeah, I mean, you can move 20 yards and the wind's right. Yeah. You know? That's how you made you made your living doing that when you were younger. That was your yeah. old hunting career was a climber. Yeah. But you know something I'd like to, since we're talking about climbers, that that's important to me is that when I hunt in a climber, if I sneak in a place and it's good, I take it. I take the climber out with me. Yeah. I see a lot of people leave them. Well, think about that. You've been touching it. You've been sitting on it's it. It's a lot of stink. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of human smell on it. And then when you when you get out of that spot, chances of the deer coming in your little secret spot are way greater at night than they are any other time. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're educating them and you don't even realize They're it. leaving it there at ground level. Yep. It's a good point. Yep. I did that when I was, when I was I, younger. We all did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's just what you, oh, leave my climber sneaking there the next morning or whatever. Uh-uh, take it with you. 
if 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 you're not, I mean, if you're some scenarios, you may can leave it. If you know, but I'm just if you're getting tight on one and sneaking in, man, don't yeah. don't leave anything there to educate him on. If you're rifle hunting a cutover or something, you know, that's one thing. And yeah, if you're setting up at a hundred yards versus yeah, if 20. you're trying to bow hunt, absolutely yeah. take it back with you. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you're bow hunting, trying to like press in on them really hard, mm-hmm. get that thing out of there. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's important that you, when you do a ground blind, if you can, if you can get your ground blinds in, you know, in the beginning of the season, yep. especially on your food sources, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, and that can work with an acorn tree, if you because you can take binoculars if you got a an acorn ridge and you 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 can see you got acorns on your your trees this year, go ahead and put your blind there before the acorns start falling you know you're gonna want to hunt it when they start falling yep so, so might as well get it in there yeah because once them deer i mean you know once they start using that food source if you can be a step ahead of them it'll it'll make a big difference in your success i knew uh an older guy when i was younger whether it be a, a shoot house that he had or a, a ground blind he would take it even if it was a shoot house he had for years before the season started he would get he would break off a limb from a tree and stick it in the like lay it over in the seat of the stand and hang that limb out the window because he said the deer will get used to a gun barrel being out the window that way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, it's okay, but you know when, you know if you look at these these blinds we have now, that's why we have the black on the windows. Mm-hmm. You know they're there all the time, and either when they're open they're black, when they're closed up, and it's just kind of mm-hmm. you know a lot of times filming we have to do it different because of you know have been able to see out there, but we kind of we we like leave them open all the yeah. time. So. Yeah, yeah, because if if I mean if you think about it, when the the blinds when the winds are closed and the blinds when the windows are open look a lot different, and we've had that ha- I've had it happen before. Mm-hmm. Have a blind you have set up, and you go and you pop them windows open, deer come out, and they they don't really like freak out, but they they so, catch it. Though. Something's different. That's different. Why is that different? Yeah. You know. That kind of thing. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I, this weather's nice. I'm excited about it, and we're, we're going to start off our cottonmouth season this afternoon. I'm very excited. Yeah, Jimmy's here, Troy's here, and us three, and yep. we, we're, we're going to miss him for a while. He's got to have some foot surgery, so he's going to be out of commission for a few few weeks, sounds like. Yep, and Jimmy didn't get to go elk hunting this year, so he is itchy on the trigger finger. <laughs> the first big doe that comes out. Better hope she's not in range. Jimmy's going to send one. Well, he's, he's already told me. I'm, but no, better watch out. And look, and we're going to have to clean it for him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, just, okay. that's just a known fact. <laughs> hey, you know, another funny thing I want to say to in, in, in at some point, whether you buy one acre or 10 acres or 20 or 40 acres, if you can, somebody told me, and it sticks in my head too, knowing saying that, I said, son, you don't wait to buy land. I said, sir. He said, no. You don't wait to buy land. You buy land and wait. Mm. Makes I mean, sense. It's because it's it's it, if you buy it and you take care of it and you nurture it and and fix it up for for fun, recreation. Right. You, you it, it it's not going south. It's not going backwards. Yeah. I, I steady go through my finances trying to figure out how I'm making payments. And as soon as I can, I'm buying something. Yep. <laughs> and, and you know, there's there's also programs out there that the, um that the NRCS has that will help you know fund landowners mm-hmm. for for conservation like the conservation stewardship program stuff like that there's ways mm-hmm. to help and that you can use to to put back into your land and even pay for it mm-hmm. so there's it's not as far out there as you think yeah you, you know you just got to want to do it and, 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 and have the opportunity to do it i've kind of looked into it the last couple of years and it i mean i'm almost there you yep. know and it won't take much and i'll be yep. ready to buy a little 40 or 80 or something and if you buy a 40 you know you keep it for five or ten years you get it fixed up and then you sell it and you roll that money into an 80 yep and you do that and you roll that money into 
That's, you know, at a 160 then. To me, it's just like starting off life, you know. I started out sweeping a parking lot, and it yep. kind of just worked my way up, you know. Yep. So. How come you don't ever sweep our parking lot? I do sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. All right, guys. Well, I think we about about got it covered. Um, as always, folks listening, if you have any more questions, topics you want us to cover, don't hesitate to send it in. That's why we do it. Uh, and that's all we got for today. Thank you all for listening to the Speak the Language podcast.